<clears throat> so this afternoon I gave a, a guided meditation on the elements. And there are different, you know, versions of, of those guided meditation on the elements. Four elements, five or six, and today I did the six elements. And uh, what that uh, practice shows us is, you know, how actually the body doesn't exist in the way we think it does. And, you know, that's one of the really central insights in, in the... Um, early presentation of the Buddha's teachings is, uh, you know, the Buddha says, I don't, I don't say that phenomena exist and I don't say that phenomena do not exist, but I teach dependent origination. So that says, you know, depending from where we are looking, that's what we see. So depending, you know, with what attitude, with what expectations, how we are looking, that's what we are seeing. You know, like, for example, quantum physics has shown us, you know, if you want to measure the location of some uh, speck, you know, it presents itself as a particle. And if you want to measure the motion, it presents itself as a wave. So depending on what we are, how we are looking, that's what we see. So there is no objective way of looking at anything really because we are always part and parcel of that what we are looking at we are inside of it there is no way to get outside the world you know like the idea of a god like floating up somewhere outside of everything looking down at the world and then saying something or, or other that isn't really happening <laughs> that was just an idea and, you know, it was age-appropriate, but now it has just lose its, its um, capacity, you know, to really deal with the situation. As we can see, you know, we need to really um, make a shift here and start to understand that uh, it's the stories we tell ourselves about everything which determine, you know, what we find in science or so. So we are always part of everything already and we can't escape that, but we can understand and work and look in different ways from a different, um, from different expectations, you know, not, no longer thinking that we could, we could even do that. So that's, that's a growing up and uh, a moving into more uh, relational capacity, you know, which we need to develop. And these days, you know, because we are all so trapped in, in uh, our um, devices, you know, we have actually lost the capacity for relationship. We rather, you know, text somebody than having a real meeting because it's just too exhausting, you know, to deal with people's emotions in our own. And that makes us really very weak, actually. Because we, we lose a lot of wisdom and we lose a lot of resilience that way, you know. And then we get ever more, like, kind of withdrawn from reality and, and then we try to make, a, you know, fly to Mars or do other crazy things, you know, which are completely impossible to do. 
but still lots of people writing millions of pages about it and uh, scrolling on the phone. And, and <laughs> meanwhile, the, the whole world is going up in flames. It's, it's pretty kind of tragic, really. So, and the guided meditation on the elements can really help, you know, to bring us back into balance. And it sounds, you know, this can't be possible, you know, just a simple meditation, but it actually is, you know. If we really do it on a consistent level and then live accordingly, it potentially could, you know, make a huge difference. If that would be part and parcel of what children learn in school, because when they are so small, you know, they are so easily uh, open to those things. I have sometimes taught that meditation to really, you know, younger kids. And they really, oh, really? They really love it, you know. And, yeah. So, you know, to allow that vulnerability of what it means to have a body which is so not separate from everything else. And the wonder and mystery of that, to really allow that to go into our being, to integrate it, you know, to let that information really inform us, you know, really become part of our being, of our form, that is a work we all can do. It doesn't require a lot of intellectual capacity, really, or anything in particular, you know, it's very simple but it completely undermines, you know, these old ways of thinking that we are living on a planet, you know, walking around and taking something from here and throwing something away, you know, which is actually not possible. There is nothing outside of this. So all of those uh, assumptions, you know, they get really, slowly but surely, they get dissolved through a meditation like this and uh, opens up, you know, completely new vistas. And in order to do this, we have to go through the transformative process, you know, which can be very uncomfortable and disorienting, really. And that's really totally necessary for this transformation to happen, to go through those dark spaces, you know, where we feel completely... Uh, shaken up, you know, and, and confused and scared because everything is so different than what we have told ourselves what it is. And uh, yeah, being really fully with that experience, that would really take care of that necessary ontological shift we as a, you know, as a civilization need to undergo if we want to have some real creative responses to deal with the situation, to respond rather than to try to fix it. Because it can't be fixed, you know, from the same mindset which has originally, you know, done all of those um, miscalculations, uh, you know. It needs to come from a different understanding of who we are. We are not the masters of the planet, we are not the masters of the universe, we will never fully understand how all of this works. And we don't really have to. We just need to uh, have the humility, you know, to take our place where it really lies. It's not on top, but it's just as, you know, being a team player. 
with all of the other um, intelligences, you know, which are living here. You look outside of the window, you know, many of those much, much longer around than us, having much more experience about how life works. And we can actually, um, you know, retune our minds to be able to communicate with those intelligences, not like, you know, speaking with them necessarily. Even some people can do that. But just, you know, to have some humility and to just observe, you know, in the forest tradition where Ayananabole and I have trained, there's a lot of... Um, uh, respect, you know, for what nature can teach us. When we go in the forest, we can see impermanence in action, you know, on every corner. And and that, you know, teachings in that way, taking in through all of the senses, not just by listening to somebody speaking or, you know, reading a book, but taking in the teachings through all of the senses. And... Uh, you know, seeing, you know, where the cracks are and where reality is kind of come shining through. You know, the, the nature is already doing it. We just need to pay attention. And, uh, you know, stop long enough and slow down enough and get off the addiction, you know, of... Uh, being constantly kind of entertained by those little machines we have created, which have a value, but it has gone really uh, pretty crazy about this. You know, it has so um, destabilized our natural capacity for relationship. And, you know, parents can tell about their children, you know, not for a moment, cannot uh, look up from their phones and it's really quite serious and even it's kind of funny too you know but it's also very sad at the same time it's a real issue you know so and how you know how can we actually be really changed through practices like this is if we integrate our practice with our daily lives and if our practice and our daily lives go in the same direction, which means, you know, that we really act on what we have experienced in the meditation, we really step into that, you know, which it needs uh, a certain amount of, it's called sada in Pali, or translated as confidence or faith, you know, to really live from that place. That's like something very different than to just thinking about it, you know. To really step into that and allow that insight to spread out through, through your life, you know, by living it. And uh, we, can't, we have to start where we are right now and, and then, you know, one step at a time. And, and the path is, is made by walking. It's not like a predetermined path, you know. But it's, it's a path which appears as we are stepping, the, the path appears. That's what's scary about it, you know. 
because it's not like a, a highway, you know, with five lanes or anything. It's pretty hidden sometimes, you know, hidden in plain sight because of our inability, you know, to, to stay focused with our experience. Because if we could, you know, the path is always already there. We just need to stay steady enough and not, you know, react but respond. And that requires sometimes, you know, to, to not know what to do and to be okay with that. And to be honest, you know, with oneself, how, how that feels. Because that, you know, that, uh, that threat, you know, to the ego, which is experienced if one doesn't know what to do, or if there's a lot of uncertainty, that's what is uh, transforming us you know, holding steady with that emotional and cognitive turmoil is what is transforming us because it shaves off, you know, more and more of those assumptions and expectations which are actually just um, conditioning, you know, which we are superimposing onto reality and then through a reality check, you know, it gets it gets uh, peeled off. And, you know, this peeling off is uh, unpleasant a lot of the time. And, uh, but we can um, experience the benefit of it as well. And uh, it's this intertwining processes between realization, which is, as I said earlier, you know, personal experience understood is the realization of wisdom. And understood, as we have mentioned, you know, means to really stand under it, to, to really have a close, intimate relationship with it. And then to actualize this is then to allow that insight to spread out into our life, into our being, to integrate it. And that requires sada, confidence. So those two wisdom panya and sada confidence, they go hand in hand. And for us, you know, in the West, we always tend to have a problem a bit with sada, you know, because we have been um, conditioned that, you know, having faith, having faith into ourselves, having confidence into the teaching, you know, is, is kind of dangerous because we might be led astray, you know, by some someone, which is possible, you know, but to completely uh, not allow Sada to emerge, you know, and nourish that would be also a real loss, you know, because wisdom without um, faith or without confidence doesn't really cut it, you know. It's like, a, you know, wisdom is the sharpness of the knife and Sada is the weight of the blade, you know. So if the... If the if there's not a weight, you know, then there is the possibility, you know, to cut through the delusion is not really possible. So they have to work together. Wisdom, the sharpness, or the discernment, and sada, the, the daringness, you know, of, of just going for it and give it a try. And sometimes, you know, we make mistakes, but we can learn from that as well. 
when we don't learn anything is if we are like constantly you know, tiptoeing around everything and not really touching it, you know, with our experience because we are afraid of being hurt. Better to be hurt sometimes and then you know you know. So, you know, walking your talk, it's called also, I think, you know, and then adjusting our life step by step accordingly to what we learn, you know, it's like a call and response. And, you know, our priorities get, get set more and more clearly. For example, you know, when we take the refugees and, and the precepts, that's a very clear setting of priorities, you know. And in, in the Buddhist teaching, you know, it's assumed that uh, if our practice isn't based on the five precepts, it doesn't really kind of take on any much uh, strength because there is always, you know, a lot of uh, repair work to do if we don't keep to those five uh, basic, you know, uh, ethics. So they are considered a very important uh, launching board for the practice. And then, you know, if we do live accordingly, the Dharma responds. And I don't know if we did the morning chanting, you know, where the qualities of the Dharma are, are iterated. And one of the qualities is Opanaiko, which is translated in two different ways, you know, leading onwards and sometimes translated leading inwards. Meaning, you know, that the Dhamma is leading us to um, suitable circumstances that support the opening and the blossoming, you know, of our potential. So it said, you know, those who uphold the Dhamma will be upheld by the Dhamma. Those who take care of the Dhamma will be taken care of by it. You know, and the Dhamma is simply the laws of nature. And uh, Dhamma has you know, many, many different ways, you know, we can translate it. One is the Buddha's teaching, one is just teaching, or, da or nature. And even today, you know, in the Thai language, the word for natural is Dhammachat, born from nature, if you translate it literally. Chati is birth and Dhamma is nature. So that word is a very kind of everyday language word as well, besides also, you know, depicting the teaching of the Buddha. And um, so if we integrate, you know, our lives with our insights, we come more and more into coherence you know, with what we know to be true, and the more we are in coherence with that, you know, the more and more the information is go flow is going to increase, you know, the data flow which we can access. And I don't mean, you know, like intellectual data flow, but just the understanding and the, the clarity which, with which we can observe, you know, our own experience. You know, how the energy is flowing in the body, how the body is a process, and all of those insights, they become much more, um, let's say, 3D. They come much, much more online, so to say, that we can really taste them, not just with the 
with the mind, but with all of our senses. Because the senses get uh, increasingly sensitized, you know, through the practice. They get fine-tuned. And, and through that we are more and more capable to attune with everything around us. You know? And then we can go in the forest and look at a tree and, and we just know we are not separate from this tree. And we see that this tree is really alive. This is a being, you know. This has intelligence. We are not masters of the, of the tree. We cannot just go and cut it down because we need more toilet paper or something. We need to do that differently. You know, that's a way of, uh, of being in, in attunement with the living world, you know, which is dawning on us as we are fine-tuning the instrument of these very um, amazing uh, bodies we've got. You know, which are developed by evolution over billions of years. They have vast intelligences which we haven't really had a clue because we have been so sidetracked, you know, with other stuff. And now we are getting woken up, you know, by all of the different uh, things, you know, which are shouting at us from all sides. You know, all of the um, things we have set loose, you know. It's said that of nine planetary boundaries, we have crossed already six. There's just three which we haven't crossed yet, so that's pretty serious. And not because we are bad, but because we are so misguided. Because we don't make full use of our capacities until now because we just didn't know any better but now we need to kind of get going and and make a bit of of an effort you know to catch up and meditation is one of the technologies how we can do this how we can start you know with with this ontological shift to understand that we are not separate that we are part of nature and we have a role to play. And the most important role is we are in a crisis. The planet isn't in a crisis. We are in a crisis. We need to kind of really take that in. And then, you know, humility sets in, I would say, you know, if we really take that on. And then we, we get interested, you know, we come back to the ground and I find it interesting under the word humility and humus, the soil, you know, come have the same root. And then the word human and the word humor. All four, you know, stay, uh, start with H-U-M. And that's the four things we really need to remember. You know, humility, humus come back to the ground and have some kind of humor also about how we have been thinking, you know, we can orchestrate the, and own the planet. That was like an, a kind of a ridiculous idea, but okay, you know, if one doesn't know any better, then one has to just try, you know, and if, if uh, the, a whole civilization tells us 
that the planet is here for us to use as much as we like, you know, rip it all out and throw it all away and everything else, then of course we all can think that's the right thing to do. So really understanding that the immaturity was at the root of this, um, you know, rather pathetic uh, undertakings, you know, which have very serious um, repercussions now for so many species, including ourselves, you know. And then, you know, considering also that our species is really very young, you know, compared, you know, uh, the average mammalian species lives about 2.7 million years here on the planet, and we are just about 200,000 years here. So we are, you know, if I've made the calculations, you know, if I would think the average lifespan is 100 years for a human being, which is very generous, you know, we would be about 7.4 years old as a species. So what do you expect of a 7.4-year-old person, you know? Of course, they want everything now. (laughs) And they they can't see the context, you know? They don't have much capacity for uh, contextual appreciation. They just, it's about me. And and then, you know, they need somebody to guide them to grow up and, and, you know, appreciate that there is more than just me. And, you know, and, and I think um, we are now coming into that phase, you know, where we are uh, guided, you know, by, by lots of um, disasters actually happening, you know. And that's how, how the planet communicates with us because how else could she, you know. And, and the very, you know, very un acceptable or very difficult thing is, you know, that the people who have done the least, you know, to um, make those damages, you know, receive the repercussions before the ones who have been, you know, reaping the, the benefits of the, of the resources, you know, which has been extracted. So that's like a very sad and, and, difficult truth, you know, to really allow that to be experienced. But if we do, I think it can give us a sense of urgency, you know, that this is really um, um, you know, comically speaking, a a big uh, responsibility, you know, which we need to look at. We can't wait, you know, for some big man to sort all of that out, some president or whoever father figure in the sky or somebody, you know, they, they have been in charge hundreds of years and it hasn't happened. So why should it suddenly now happen? So to just have complete different um, starting points now. And I think the most important starting point is this uh, deep knowing, you know, that we are we are it, you know, we are the planet. And these bodies are part of the land. And as long as we don't understand that, we'll always fight about the land. And we need to really deeply integrate that because it's so counterintuitive for our culture still. 
but we can we can start you know we need to start and especially you know for the children who are going to be the ones who are reaping all of that terrible inheritance you know if at least they get a good starting position by knowing who they really are they have stand much better chance you know to team with that emerging intelligence which we can't yet really hear you know but because we don't have the attunement but it's it's possible we can learn this you know and, and some of our indigenous brothers and sisters and this is like one representative here on the shrine you know they have still preserved that capacity and we can also reawaken that because we all have it you know by simply having bodies like this and we need to listen to their guidance when it comes to those uh, capacities you know this is not something um, primitive this is the opposite it's just a different value system you know valuing different um, things not needing a cell phone or a whatever machine you know because knowing you can't eat that machine but it's going to eat you if you don't pay attention so yeah so this emergent knowing you know which is all here you know but it's kind of what's in the Tibetan tradition is called self-secret, you know. It's, it's all out there for us to see, but we can't quite see it, you know, because our eyes are not attuned. It's like, you know, when you're outside in, in, the, in the blazing sun and then you go into a room, in the, in the beginning everything is dark, you can't see anything. And then you, after some minutes, you know, the eyes adjust and then suddenly you start to see and that is that process, I think, you know, where we have to adjust and then we start to see things we couldn't see before because they are hidden in plain sight because of our projections and expectations and our conditioning. <coughs> so if we want to serve that unfolding, you know, for the benefit of future generations, then we can. Just need to have a very clear intention and clear priorities and then keep walking and, and connect up with others who understand the necessity, you know. And um, in the you know, in the Buddha's teaching, it said that through insight into emptiness, Nibida arises. And Nibida is the... Sorry. <coughs> there is the Pali word for disenchantment, you know, in the sense of you know, waking up from the dream. And if you translate it literally... Nibida, it means not finding. So, you know, if you really look deeply, you can't find any separate entity in this whole cosmos. 
you know, if there's this very beautiful example by the Venerable Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, holding up a, an orange, and then, you know, in that orange, there's the rain, there's the, the soil, there is the birds, there's the sun, there's the people who planted the tree, there's the people who harvested the orange and transported it to the shop. The person who bought it in the shop brought it to the table. So where does the orange start and where does the orange end? It, it just doesn't, it's not possible. It just all falls apart. And you see, know that this orange is not separate from the whole cosmos. And so it is with our bodies. And it's, you know, it's a very revolutionary insight. I think it can be compared to the, you know, realization that the earth is not flat, you know, when there was a lot of fighting going on amongst the scientists at that time, you know, now the earth is flat. There are still people today, actually. <laughs> a few. I think there's websites and so on. <laughs> you don't need to look them up. And... Um, it's, it's a complete revolutionary and different way of looking. So first, everybody thought the Earth is flat, and then, no, actually, it isn't flat. Okay. But then at least the Earth is in the center of the universe. No, it's not. And, you know, and we work ourselves out of that self-centeredness, of, which is so typical, you know, for, for little kids. You know, one, you know one eon at a time, or one era of, at a time, you know. And now is the era where we need to work ourselves out of the assumption that we are separate and that we can master the earth and we can use her according to our wishes. We have to work ourselves out of that one now. And there's always help, you know. And the help at this point is pretty unpleasant, but that's how it is administered, you know, it's not unpleasant for the earth, but for us it feels like, you know, we feel scared because it's, it's um, pretty violent, you know, for such vulnerable beings as us to be flooded and burned and everything else. So... You know, things are urgent. We need to slow down. And not like run, you know, quickly fix something from, and, and make more havoc, you know, in the way we are doing the fixing. Times are urgent. We need to slow down and go drop to the ground and really investigate before we do more damage. And... Uh, and then, you know, the cracks start to appear. As soon as you start looking, you know, there's the cracks here and there, and then look into the cracks and start to, a whole new world starts to emerge out of the confusion. If we are willing to be confused, you know, if we are willing to be with that mess of not knowing and, uh, you know, willing to, uh, to, to kind of say, you know, we have lost our way, really, as a civilization. We have lost our way, and if we are, okay, 
if you're okay with with um, being honest about it, that's all it takes. You know, we'll find our way again. But first, we need to be honest about it and say it can't go on like this. We have already crossed, you know, six out of nine planetary boundaries. There's only three more. So that's something, you know, I'd like to uh, offer tonight as a, as a, you know, as a reflection on um, anatta or emptiness, you know, which is like the liberating uh, core of the Buddha's teaching. And, you know, when the Buddha um, was teaching, um, the principle of um, impermanence was already taught also by other teachers, even, you know, some of the Greek um, uh, sages like Heraclitus was teaching about impermanence, but nobody else was teaching about emptiness or anatta, how he called it, not self. You know, meaning that all phenomena whatsoever, you know, this clock or this cup or, or the planet or the whole cosmos, you know, are separate entities with an unchanging core, but they are all processes, you know, deeply interwoven with each other. And, you know, like we are basically secretions of the planet. You know, we are coming out of the planet through a, a, a mother, a woman, you know, born, and then we get we get like a flower, you know, first we're like this lovely bud baby, you know, very sweet. Everybody wants to come close, you know, and then opening and getting really beautiful and so on, and then wilting and then you know, going back into the ground, disappearing back into that same um, planet we have come out of, you know. And all of the soil is all dead organic beings, you know, not only humans, of course, but like plant beings and animals and mineral beings. They all together make up that soil, and then food grows out of it, and we eat it, and then we go to the bathroom, and it goes back into the soil, and it's just like, where does it start, where does it end? Nowhere. That was just a, an idea, you know. And in particular, because language, you know, works mainly with nouns, and then we, we are deeply conditioned, you know, through language, thinking in language, on a very unconscious level, just assuming um, that things are the way we label them. But labels are just, you know, signposts, basically, pointing. But they are not what they are pointing at. They are just a pointer. And, you know, getting attached to the pointer is kind of pointless because the pointer is just there to, to look, you know, and then... Okay, then I saw it. But you're not not um, holding on to the to the pointer itself. And that's you know a very complex entanglement, you know, which we need to find ways to um, 
work with. And, and this meditation is one of the ways. And it's, it's very simple. And I, you know, I really recommend it if you have children, you <coughs> share it with them. Because they are the most important ones who need to know this information from as early as possible. It makes a big difference, you know, to their um, understanding of who they are. So thank you for, for listening. Yeah. Planetary boundaries, that's, um, you know, there's nine different um, things, you know, which, which if they are destabilized, you know, then the whole uh, planetary self-regulatory system is going to collapse. And, and one, I mean, I don't have them all in my head, but I have a, I have a note downstairs in, in, in my room. But one is, for example, you know, soil depletion. We have been cutting so many trees and making, you know, grazing land for, for, our, for our cattle and things, you know, that so much soil has been destabilized, you know, get like blown away, you know, because there's no trees and no shrubs to hold it down. So that's one. And then, uh, for example, you know, fresh water, it, it, it has too much uh, uh, poisoning and, you know, and then too much, uh, the... Um, Fertilizers, you know, have altered so much, you know, so chemical pollution. And then um, others, you know, which I really, they're very complex words, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And six of nine, you know, have been crossed. You can, can look that up on the internet, easily available. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I'm I'm happy to. I think I might have a photocopy. I I could pin it up there tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, it's it's a very serious situation. Yeah, but there is still time. You know, for us to to start um, working against this. You know, and bringing it into balance, it's not too late. And all we need to know, we do know. It's just, there's so much political, um, you know, fighting going on because it, uh, it would not go well with consumer capitalism, you know. It would not, cannot coexist. So you need to give that one up, you know. And people just feel like, no, we don't know how to do this. But we can still start, you know, one step at a time. Just like with everything else. If you need to know everything before you, you try, then you're never going to start anything. So, we're going to hang that up tomorrow. And thank you.
So we're going to end with the little, the short chant on page 30. <clears throat> so this is uh, reminding us to develop a sense of well-being in, in ourselves and for others. And uh, the wish that, the deep wish that all beings be free from suffering, which uh, can go beyond wishing into action. And the appreciation of the, uh, you know, that may we never be parted from our good actions, you know, the appreciation of the, of the, the good work that has been done individually and collectively. And then the reflection on karma, which is very much tied in with what Ayasantha Chita has been speaking. <coughs> Let us chant the reflection on universal well-being. May I abide in well-being, in freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill-will, in freedom from anxiety. And may I maintain well-being in myself. May everyone abide in well-being, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill-will, in freedom from anxiety. And may they maintain well-being in themselves. May all beings be released from all suffering. And may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained. When they act upon intention, all beings are the owners of their action and inherit its results. Their future is born from such action, companion to such action, and its results will be their home. All actions with intention be they skillful or harmful of such acts, they will be the end.